If you are a Braveheart, the next hour is just for you. Welcome to Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold. In this program, you'll learn who the Bravehearts are and connect with them to help change the world. By doing so, you'll be changed for the better. Now, here is your host, Brian Reinbold. And welcome, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned in to VoiceAmerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're going to talk about awareness, uh, opening our eyes, because sometimes some things can change the world. If we just see them, if you'd like to connect with us, BraveHeartsForKids.org, BraveHeartsRadio.org, where you can find all the past episodes in the show link section. And you can also donate now if you like the work that we're doing and would like to help us continue this. Today, my guest is Don Samuels. He's a community leader and at the heart of healing in Minneapolis. Uh, did I, did I, uh, Present that accurately, do you think, Don? Uh, yeah, I, I would say that. <laughs> yeah. at, you know, at the, at, the, at, the, at the heart of healing, you know, we, um, um, we were originally uh, introduced um, by our, our mutual friend, Wally Goulet, and, and uh, he had sent, uh, well, it wasn't a, a formal introduction, he sent me a, a, a link to a video of you speaking and said, uh, you know, here's a, here's a guy you should connect with to get him on the show. And uh, that was in mm. about fe- February. Um, and yeah. uh, uh, I know you guys do some, some work together at the uh, Center for Action and Contemplation, the CAC. Yeah. And, um, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we connected, uh, through the, um, uh, the, the center for purposeful leadership, uh, in, uh, right. in Minneapolis and you and, and Brian Mogren were, uh, on the, uh, on the, the more, the Monday morning call. It's got, I think of it as kind of yeah. a Monday morning wake up call. You know, and right, uh, they, right. they call that the essential conversations. And and uh, uh, you you've been uh, you've been busy uh, in in Minneapolis uh, this this summer in particular. Uh, and I, I see it as kind of as a, in in the role of a healer. Is that? Yeah, I, uh, very much so. Trying to um, to bring the attention of uh, the city uh, from both sides of the divide. Um, into a kind of um, commitment to healing, healing in relationships. And uh, that healing sounds so uh, elusive, I guess, to, mm-hmm. to the uh, uninitiated. <laughs> uh, it, it sounds like we should be planning, we should be uh, strategizing, um, we should be uh, working uh, projects and programs, and the healing seems to be uh, something reserved for the shamans or the priests or uh, so on. But as you can see from what's happened in our city in Minneapolis, I, I think just the name Minneapolis now has a meaning that needs no explanation after George Floyd's death. Um, you can see that uh, brokenness is uh, what got our attention, the attention of the world. And um, that was not planned. It was not strategically uh, developed. It was brokenness that erupted. And, um, uh, uh, and, and it, th- this is brokenness that has been, we've been living with for centuries, literally. Mm-hmm. And no amount of planning strategizing, lawmaking even, has been able to eradicate it. So clearly there's something going on at a deeper human level. And, uh, and, and so healing is, in fact, the word that applies to the moment. Well, thank you. Yeah, and, you know, you and I spoke um, for, the, for the first time uh, one-to-one last, uh, I think it was last Thursday, and um, yeah, we had uh, we had a, a, a Zoom call, and, um, and you know, I, I just I really enjoy the presence 
of uh, of that uh, of that platform. You know, to be able to say, um, yeah, uh, here I am, there you are, and. Um, uh, you know, we, our, yeah. our first conversation we went on for almost two hours, and I, sometimes I, I, I wonder, you know, when I'm doing the show on my own, uh, when I don't have a guest, I, I think, do I have enough mm-hmm. to say to fill in the time here? Mm-hmm. And you know, when I get when I get someone uh, uh, that, that I can have a conversation like this with, Don, I, I'm not concerned about yeah. uh, about filling in the time. I might uh, we might just run right through the breaks, like I told you. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, yeah. the, um, um, it, you know, one of the questions that, that we, that we discussed, um, when we, uh, when we talked last week was, it, is it possible to maintain the energy of the, uh, of the Black Lives Matter movement? And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. what if it was possible, what if it were possible to maintain the energy for the world to support the, the Black Lives Matter movement with the same purposefulness and focus that we've responded to the COVID-19 pandemic? Right, right. And, and clearly, um, the, the factor that brings it to our attention is a scaldingly, a searingly, dramatic uh, video that was done by a 17-year-old girl who had the the focus and I'm not sure what other qualities makes someone do this to keep the camera fixed on the abusive inter, uh, interlude between Mr. Floyd and Chauvin as Floyd's life uh, ebbed out of his body and um, and she kept it there and she kept it there and we were not able to look away and and her capacity to do that and her doing it changed perceptions uh, changed the world people are saying uh, I didn't know I didn't know it was that bad I didn't know that police would do that I didn't know that Black young men were subject to this kind of behavior. I didn't know that cops um, were, in fact, uh, capable of making stuff up like that, or that they would routinely do that. That 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 kind of um, that kind of uh, audacity to look into the camera with the confidence that I can and will get away with this is the kind of presumption that exists in the ranks of the police, et cetera, et cetera. And so people got awakened and they, it changed their level of awareness. And now corporations, Target, General Mills, corporations all over the country and the world are uh, instituting new um, hiring measures and new training for their employees and, and new racial consciousness and uh, cities all over the country are changing names of things that were offensive to people that they didn't think about before. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so universities are doing that. And, and uh, so that this level of, of new level of awareness is, uh, is based on the exposure to a reality that existed for a few that was ignored by most uh, because it wasn't thought it was possible or it was thought that those days were done. In fact, one of the most egregious uh, uh, events over the past uh, few years for me is the Asian community filing a lawsuit with uh, Harvard, I think it was, and then kind of winning the case and setting a precedent against um, uh race-based, meaning African-Americans getting preferential treatment or uh, opportunities to go to places like Harvard um, because of what's happened historically. That disproportionate and deliberate prejudice has to be healed by disproportionate and deliberate um, opportunities. Otherwise, there will never be any catching up just going to be a perpetuation of the rich getting richer. And, and the Asian community interpreting the law along the lines of diversity and equality um, didn't understand 
that equity is different from equality, that it is, it, it is America has a long history of exclusion that needs to be healed. And so they use the very language that was sought, designed to bring that, heal the past to exacerbate the present. And uh, so it's an awareness problem because the history wasn't taught. So these young Asian Americans, they weren't taught why these things were put in place. And so they naively are pressing against the healing um, and then exacerbating the pain. And um, so it's an awareness problem. You weren't taught something. You didn't see something. You never heard something. And so you have this cognitive dissonance of uh, this great country we have vis-a-vis what you're hearing people saying, what you see in front of you, this inequity that exists. So you have to make up why, why it's happening. Why this inequity? You have to make something up. And so you, you start saying things like they're stupider, they're dumber, they're lazier, they're, they don't want what's better for themselves, et cetera, et cetera. Or in the case of Floyd, you have to say he had, he had a record. He was a, you know, he probably was fighting the cops because, of course, the cops are going to, without the, the camera there, the cops are going to say, you know, they're going to get together, four of them, and, and have one story of how big this guy was and how he fought them and so on. So you have to uh-huh. believe that story. And, and so having a confrontation with the truth can really change how people think and put people in the right way of thinking. And it is that awareness and it is that presence. That young lady brought us into the presence of what happened just like the cameras, the portable cameras of the 60s finally brought us in the presence of racism in the South and we saw it and, and the Vietnam War and saw how horrendous carnage was and everybody said oh we can't do that anymore and and so you know this awareness thing it's not just a a feature of the and the influence of eastern religion on christianity or on the west mm-hmm. and not some just some kind of a zen kind of uh spirituality thing it is uh it, it is a part of our humanity the importance of presence, the pres- importance of awareness. Uh, my wife and I have a, a radio show, and yesterday the, the, the theme was uh, um, the basics, the basics for child development, how you, you, uh, you, you have to interact with the child. You, you do a call and response. You, 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 they say something, and you say it back and you add something, you know, the child says yellow and you say, yeah, mm-hmm. yellow banana or, mm-hmm. you know, and, they, and it, it's not just a teaching tool. It's also uh, uh, um, acknowledging the child's humanity. I heard you. I see you. I know you. And, uh, and that the stare that parents give to the child I, I see you. You're here. <laughs> and, and I'm with you. These are things that are uh, uh, in, uh, absolutely important for the development of a human being. Mm-hmm. But it's not just about child development. It's about development of communities. It's about development of societies. That if there are people in our community that we don't see, that we don't give feedback. I see you. I, I hear you. You cry and I come just like we do for a baby. When you cry, I pick you up. When parts of our societies are crying and nobody comes, nobody responds, leadership ignores, mm-hmm. society doesn't hear, doesn't see, or even faults the victim of experiences or the dilemmas. Uh, in, in the absence of any real facts, then that part of the society begins to atrophy, it stops complaining, starts to die, and, um, and uh, ultimately, um, there are outbursts 
of defiance, which is what we're seeing in, in, in these riots. As Martin Luther King said, riots is the language of the unheard. And, and the unheard means the unseen, means those of which whom we are not aware and, and uh, uh, whose presence doesn't factor into our lives. So it is, it is not just about child development. It's not just about human development. It's about the development of our society, of our communities, healthy community, where everyone sees themselves reflected in, the, uh, in what we create and, um, and everyone shares in the resources. And it it uh, it's, it sounds like there's a um, there's there's a real element of communication. You know the the idea I remember from communication the uh, uh, chapter one page one was communication is the transfer of an understanding, and uh, I'd like to explore yeah. that uh, a little bit and uh, the connection to mm-hmm. something I call the aha moment when we come back. Uh, go to a go to a, a quick break now on Bravehearts Radio. Don Samuels is uh, joining us today. Stick with us. We'll be back on the other side of sixty seconds. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Brave Hearts Radio is sponsored by Brave Hearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned into voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're talking about awareness, opening our eyes, because some things can change the world if we just see them. Uh, my guest today is Don Samuels. He's a community leader at the heart of healing in the Minneapolis, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the epicenter of the, uh, uh, of the Black Lives Matter movement, as I see it. And um, it, there's, there's something I'd, you know, I'd, in the, um, uh, the, the, going into the summer, I, I had this idea that this, this is the summer of abundance. Um, I, I decided to uh, approach it from that standpoint because yeah. uh, I do these um, personal retreats at holidays. I've done it for years where I do, uh, I think of it as an Einstein retreat or something like that, where I just sit and look at the water or sit and contemplate and allow the, the answers to come to me from within and uh, listen yeah. to that authentic voice that speaks to us, not so much in words, but in understanding. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. the the the, uh, the the summer of abundance concept came about with the uh, um, you know for for a generation I've been using a uh, a quote from Howard Thurman um, 
Uh, don't ask what the world needs. Instead, ask what makes me come alive. Then go do that. Right. And uh, and I, right. I thought, you know, the, uh, what you find is, you know, hey, that's what the world uh, wanted from you after all. And uh, so yeah. I thought I'd, uh, I'd kind of I'd kind of go with the, go with my own advice for a change. <laughs> sometimes you, yeah, you get yeah. to, and uh, and then I realized, you know, sometimes you get to the end of what you know. And uh, yeah. and th- and and that's where you you find that aha moment, and uh, right. I, I I think the the first uh, thing that I uh, that I remember, um, or one of the first things that I remember hearing um, from you was the idea that when you get to the end of what you know, um, something like that, there there you find the divine. Is, right. is that sound, does that sound familiar? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, because um, you know, just just think about even just this uh, this whole traumatic uh, situation we have on our streets and and so on. Um, when we there's there's a uh, there's problem solvers, the city council members, the mayors, the police, the uh, city leadership community leaders, we all, um, we all problem solvers. We, we put on our hats, we have uh, focus groups, we, we have community meetings, town halls, we have planning committees, etc. And we, we, we put our heads together. And this has been going on for years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, um, and still, the problems persist. Um, so, you know, in, in, in our 30 days of healing, which was an initiative, uh, we had here in Minneapolis where we had a prayer tent, um, and, uh, meeting tent on, uh, uh, in a parking lot of, uh, of, a uh, mall, little shopping area, uh, that had been looted and, and suffered burn. Uh, burnt buildings across the street from there. Um, we had uh, 30 days of prayer for the healing of the city. And mm-hmm. we had uh, spaces for nine people in a large tent, uh, socially distanced, uh, to sit, kneel, or stand quietly for eight minutes and 46 seconds, timed by a singing uh, bell, uh, bowl. And... Um, we had nine people in there, you know, cycling in and out all day for 30 days from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And um, in the first 10 days, the theme for our prayer was grieving. The second 10 days was uh, uh, was openness to change. And, and the prayer that guided that session the third, the third session was praying for a new future. Future. The mm-hmm. second session was really the, the, for me, the key, which was um, being open to change, and the, the the prayer that guided that session was one that reaffirmed that we don't know what to do, and um, that is so important to say, we don't know what to do. That that's when we come to the edge of what we know. And we don't know what to do. We admit we don't know what to do. And we seek guidance from something deep inside ourselves or even outside of ourselves. But something that we're not really aware of now. Something we don't have access to right now. And admitting that as a person is, uh, we know alcoholics um, need that in, in Alcoholics Anonymous uh, the, the 12 steps that that is, you know, like the first step, you know, I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm not in control. I am. And, and things are beyond my reach. That is important, not just for alcoholics. It's important for any healing process. Really. We don't know what to do. It's, it heals relationships. It heals, um, chronic, uh, stuckness. And so um, when you have a situation like we have where racism is such a strong and scary thing, um, 
it's so scary that people want it, just want it to go to, away. Don't even say the word. Mm-hmm. But we see the problem popping up, and we we don't know what to do. And and it is such a scary thing for especially Americans to say we don't know what to do that we avoid saying it, and we proceed as if we know what to do. We can sit and figure this out. And so we keep sitting and figuring it out and, and failing instead of, like you implied, you know, sitting in front of the lake or whatever for a while and just opening ourselves up. Part of the problem is that, you know, wisdom as I think it's Ecclesiastes says, cries in the street. Wisdom is yelling in the street. Yelling its its wisdom at us. We can't hear it because we already know what to do. So we can't hear a new thing, a new voice, a new any new wisdom. And so not knowing what to do is not simply admitting that you don't know something, but it's it's opening yourself up to the something that's screaming at you, but our humanity is blocking our ears from hearing it. Uh, it because it might take more sacrifice than we're psychically prepared to give. It might take more uh, giving up something that we are addicted to. That uh, And so we can't even hear that wisdom because... It's too demanding. And so not knowing what to do and opening ourselves up might simply be um, becoming, uh, opening our ears. And and so these exercises of opening ourselves up by beginning with, I don't know what to do, um, which probably means... um, I'm so committed to what I know to do that I, I, I can't hear anything else, um, that we, we open ourselves up and we now maybe can begin to hear the muffled cries of teenage black boys in the inner city saying, I'm scared. I'm going to have to get a gun because I'm intimidated on the corner by guys who have guns. Do you understand that if I don't join that gang, I am like easy, I'm a mark. I've I've got a label on my back. You know, come and get me. Do you understand that I need to join a gang and start wearing a certain color so that I'll have some backing behind me because you won't support you won't defend me. And do you understand that if I do that, then you're going to be scared of me and you're going to send the police to come get me, to protect you from me. And do you understand that that's my future and I have no alternative? That's being screamed from the street and we can't hear it. And so this, this not knowing, uh, this not knowing is important. It's saying, it's saying, can, can, Please open me up to the awareness that's tugging at my coattails so I can hear it. It happens in our homes all the time. You know, a child is asking for for attention on something and we can't hear it because we're so busy or, you know, it happens to me. You know, uh, I'm on my phone answering emails or on Facebook and a child comes in the room or young, we have a young man living with us now and uh, our kids are, we're empty nesters. He walks in the room and I'm, you know, it's like, I just, let me just answer this, finish answering this before I look up. Right. And Mm -hmm. so he kind of stares at me for a second. I know he's looking, but I got to finish this. And then he just kind of like, you're not necessarily mad. He's just like, well, I see I'm not being noticed. He walks away. And mm-hmm. that happens the next day, and it happens the next day, and it happens the next day. That human need for interaction, for acknowledgement, for, for somebody to say, I am aware of you. 
begins to be frustrated, and and now the dysfunctional attempt to get some attention, which in the streets means doing a graffiti 10 feet high with your name on it to say, I'm here, right? Or Mm -hmm. um, doing something destructive to say, I'm here. Since you can't see me being here, let me do something to let you acknowledge me. Uh, Those behaviors start to kick in. And it could be very, very breaking something. Hey, if I drop something and break it, you show up. So I, and suddenly I get attention. It's not good attention. Hey, you know, that, that I paid $200 for that. You broke it. But it, it's, I just got 10 words addressed to me directly. I got eye, to eye contact, you know. And so then when your society begins to develop or your family begins to develop around those patterns where I ignore you when you're good, I ignore you when you're passive, but if you break things, I see you, then, you know, the human spirit is so thrives on attention that it will prefer negative attention to being ignored. Classic reinforcement. uh, Yeah. yeah. All right. And we will be back with you on the other side of uh, 60 Seconds with Don Samuels. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Brave Hearts Radio is sponsored by Brave Hearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Brave Hearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also email Brian. His email is mission specialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned in to voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio. I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today we're talking about awareness, opening our eyes, because some things can change the world if we just see them. Uh, I have as my guest uh, Don Samuels. And Don, I had, uh, I had in, in your bio, I had you uh, as the CEO of microgrants. Uh, microgrants.net. I uh, looked at the microgrants website, uh, you know, before the show. We got, actually with our with our great conversation that we had last week. I don't think we got into microgrants at all. But uh, wow. what a, what an amazing um, well, it, uh, just one of the, one of the amazing thing that that you're involved with, and uh, you know that I always encourage the the listeners to uh, go to braveheartsforkids.org and find the donate now button. If you go to microgrants. .net. There's a donate donate now and change a life today on the right side, and in the middle there's a there's a button for success stories, and what yeah. a, what a series of amazing stories that um, uh, yeah. um, 
there's a, these are some uh, so, some uh, terrific success stories. It seems to me. Yeah, people. Um, you know, there are so many people who are uh, but for a few dollars. And I'm talking about you know maybe a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. two thousand um, dollars. They they would be uh, uh, launched into a, a change of life. And, mm-hmm. But opportunities come; they just don't have the resources to uh, to make it over a hump, and they fall back. And um, talking about people who are coming out of poverty, who have families in poverty, who don't have that rich uncle or the well endowed family member who they can look to when they have an opportunity for a, a new business that they're just starting up. You know, you want to be. Uh, to have your own a little janitorial service or lawn service or um, seamstress service or um, or you want to start a new job that's in another part of town and you need a car or you need your car repaired, you just can't, it's broken, you can't go. You can't even go get the interview, let alone the job because you need a reliable vehicle and your car is breaking down all the time and you just don't have that kind of money. So how are you going to... How are you going to get that breakthrough to take you to the next level so you can make enough money to fix your car? Um, those are the kinds of folks that apply to microgrants, and they apply through what we call partner agencies that train people um, coming out of poverty for careers or for starting a new small business. And when, um, when they reach a roadblock, they recommend them for a grant, and within three to seven days, we can give that cash to that person to solve the problem. And we partner with a local auto uh, towing service here, Repair Place, and um, they, they have cars that are not retrieved, and, um, and, when, and they also dispose of uh, repo cars and drug seizure cars, et cetera, from the state. And uh, so they have cars that they can, uh, that they auction off and they put aside cars that would normally auction for 3,500. They, they, they sell them to us or through us uh, for 2,500. And that's their uh, charity philanthropy work. And, um, and so when a grantee of ours needs a car to take a job where the bus routes are poor, um, we can send them there to Bobby and Steve's, and there's a car, uh, other, a couple cars they can choose from, and, um, and the car becomes the grant. And so mm-hmm. they can literally, if they have the insurance and, and, uh, and the license, they can drive that car off and take a job within days. So um, it's a great program. And our Lights On program, which we started after Philando was killed, which was another big police incident in our area here, um, Mm -hmm. Philando was pulled over for a broken light. Uh, That's the premise he was pulled over on. And so now we created this program so that when a cop pulls someone over for a broken light in any of 85 cities or counties in Minneapolis, Minnesota, instead of giving them a ticket or a lecture, they get a voucher, a greeting, a voucher to go get it fixed for free at a local participating auto service program provider. And so we are now covering 75% of the state. We're in Wichita. We just started there and we're starting in a small New York city and, uh, and in um, in a few other cities across the country. That's an that's so an that's amazing. You know, that's Which it's not done. It's it's something. It's it seems so simple, but what a difference yeah. to make for people. You know, what a difference. Yeah, and there um, are thousands of interactions each day with police. This mm-hmm. is the most frequent cause for a stop. Uh, for for. Um, for a uh, equipment violation stop is a broken mm-hmm. light. Okay. So you know if 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 we if, if every time a, a person is stopped for a broken light, it becomes an opportunity for healing that relationship and providing low-income people with a relief that they don't have to choose between groceries and a 
aspects in the light, then, you know, we can really begin to heal incrementally in this way. Yeah, food or food or rent or getting the light fixed, and, right. and uh, you know, that can take, take care of part of it. And microgrant might put them on track to... Uh, uh, get the get the wheels they need to get to that job or start their own business. I see that you know right. something I noticed on the site was that uh, in the area of education and in small business grants and in transportation, there's a a ninety three percent of the uh, uh, recipients were on track to achieve their goals. And I think by by anyone's standard, that's an A. So yeah, that's really that's. Uh, yeah, that's the knocking it out of the park. And the reason is that, you know, not when we get a grantee, they're recommended to us by our partner agency. And typically, a partner agency does for us what a bank agent, banking loan agent does for the bank, in that they, they identify the person who needs the grant, and they vet them over the course of months of training, not just a half-hour interview sitting at a bank, uh, at a banker's desk. And so they know the people well, they know their families, they know their circumstances, they know if they finish the program well, if they're enthusiastic and positive about their future, they recommend them for a grant. So we get a, a person who has a, a timely need. You went quiet for, for because of that. Yeah, we it, can, it, uh, people are, yeah, people call me and I... I, I I, I can't figure out a way to get it, the announcement made. Don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's yeah. a call into the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, so, by the way, that that was, in fact, I give you a little, in, and your listeners a little insight. That was the um, a vice president of the Vikings calling because the Vikings are interested in supporting our Lights On program. So that was a big sacrifice. And not taking oh. that call, I'll have to call him back as soon as I can. Right, that's that. You know, that's the uh, that's the uh, min, the Minnesota uh, Vikings, not the uh, sons Minnesota of Ragnar Lothbrok. Uh, no, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's something we something else that we talked about. Uh, you know, it's the uh, the difference between optimism and pe- pessimism, and I, I think there's a tipping point that if your life is going up, if things are going well, you have an optimistic outlook. If you have a pessimistic outlook, things are on the way down. Um, yeah. And and you know that um, uh, just to put things in perspective, um, I've, I've uh, noticed that. Uh, when I when I speak at a at a Rotary Club recently, and there was an Anglican, a Lutheran, and a Catholic at the table, and they weren't trying to oh, burn each other. Dark. You know, they were they were getting they were they get five hundred years ago in England, they'd have been uh, they'd have been mortal enemies. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think yeah. you know they, this this isn't the kind of thing that says you know we're taking care of it now, but in in a in a historical context, uh, we do live in the best time in the history of the world, in the best place in the world, and and um, yeah, uh, and I, I I think you know you know back fifty years ago that you, you came to the United States from Jamaica, and I got to imagine that's part yeah. of the reason that you came here. Yeah, because I was hopeful, optimistic about things. And one of the things we have to remember is that uh, the George Floyd uh, killing, bad as it was, mm-hmm. was a good thing in that it, it opened our awareness to something that had been going on much, much worse uh, 60 years ago, 70, mm-hmm. 80, 90 years ago. Remember now, there were lynchings. There were actually crowds of people, not just one cop. There were crowds of people with cops in the audience hanging a black young man from a tree over and over and over again during the course of a year. Mm-hmm. And so things have gotten better. What has gotten worse is, um, is our experience of it, right? It used to be, it, now it's being, cameras are so available, everybody's got one. And uh, on their phone, and so they're showing us what's happening. So we, we are feeling worse because we're because we're now aware of 
how bad things are. What things have been bad. At, at, you know, or, at, at, uh, some, at some point, um, we made a decision that we were not going to allow people to suffer from polio. And we wiped right. that out. And right. smallpox. We'll and we yeah. wiped that out. Yeah. And COVID, yeah. and we're going to take care of that. And, and yeah. what if it were possible to do that with racism? Um, that, yeah, you know, which well, is which is a, a a much more serious disease on our society yeah. and our, our our soul as humanity. Um, and yeah, I, and well, yeah, you know when well, we when we when we talk about the idea that uh, you know open your eyes, become aware. Uh, you know, yeah. a real aha moment for me was you know I'd, I'd, I'd go out for a walk, uh, not playing golf, but I go out for a walk on the golf course. And uh, you know, try to stay out of the golfer's way, for, you know, out of courtesy, and also you don't want to be, you know, hit by a ball. That's for sure. But you know, I, I was thinking about this one time this summer, and 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 it just occurred to me. It was one of those aha moments. Like, no, no kidding. It, it's a different experience for me than it would be for you, or for yeah. For you. I told you a couple of weeks ago, I wouldn't do that. You know, they thought of just finding the uh, being on a golf course where the people are not likely to know me and just be going for a walk. Not a risk I would take because mm-hmm. I, I'm I would think I'm thinking golfers are the are, are the category of Americans who are probably least familiar with me as a black man in their lives. So they're be thinking, well, what is he doing here? Right, and I don't want to have yeah. to deal with that. So, in fact, I tell you, um, as we wrap up, there's a 17-year-old mm-hmm. young man who lives with us. He's a neighborhood kid whose mother allowed him to live with us while he goes to a private high school to mm-hmm. raise money for. And um, and so he he is uh, living with us, and he has to walk to the store. He's 17, and about half a dozen. The 17-year-olds have been killed here this year in our community. And some have been shot and lived. And, mm-hmm. and so he is feeling totally at risk, always has, and he's, but he's now hyper, hyper vigilant. And he's told me that when he walks out the door, he's not sure he's coming back. And he called me from the bus stop on his way to the gym last week and asked if he could come back home because... Um, he was afraid because he saw um, two guys chasing one with knives, and and he had to cross this, walk through this serious drug dealing. So he's a young man. He's not in a gang, and so he's very very vulnerable out there. He doesn't have a team behind him, mm-hmm. right? So he's it's subject to serious intimidation, and he has lost friends. His dad was killed a few blocks from here four years ago. So, uh, so I asked him, I, I'm, I've asked him several times and he just can't get around to doing it. So I finally told him yesterday, I'd give him $50 cause he was explaining these feelings to me. I said, can you just write that all down? I'll give you $50 for 500 words because society is not aware of his life. And so there's a kind of a callous kind of ignoring, but. It's not really even that callous because 17-year-old young black men are not writing articles. And so there's a lack of awareness. So I'm trying to inspire him. I'm giving him 50 bucks to write me a 500-word article about his experiences as a young African-American guy on low income who lives in a low-income community. And uh, what is that like for you when, when your peers are dropping like flies all around. And, and so we, we're not hearing his voice, right? Mm-hmm. And that is part of the eco- ecosystem in which he lives, where his voice is not being heard, meaning there's no sunlight coming in on where he lives. And so all, kind of mechani- uh, all kinds of organisms are growing within that ecosystem because there's no light meaning the light of the public's awareness is mm-hmm. not shining on his life. And, and in that absence of light, all kinds of dysfunctional 
organisms are sprouting. And, um, and what we need to do to change the ecosystem is to shine the light of awareness in the dark corners of our society so that, like you said, just like polio and all these other things that affect rich and poor alike, and so there's a strong awareness of it, we need to shine lights in the quiet corners where only the poor live or the voiceless so that the entire community's consciousness and conscience can be raised and we can do what we did with polio and all the other diseases that are uh, affected us all. That's uh, well said, Don. Um, it's been terrific having you on the show this week. Um, I want to thank the, uh, the brave hearts, the audience for joining us this week. We have been talking about awareness, uh, opening our eyes with Don Samuels, because, uh, sometimes, uh, we, you know, sometimes, uh, th- there are things that can change if we just see them. And uh, remember to check out our BraveHeartsForKids.org and MicroGrants.net. Please consider donating now. Change your life today. Um, Please plan to join us every Monday at 4 Eastern, 3 Central. You can work out your own time. Uh, Next week, we'll be talking about championing social corporate responsibility with uh, Charles Antis. He's an inspirational leader in that movement. Uh, in two weeks, we'll be talking um, with uh, Jacqueline Hayes, Lucia Morrow, and Heather Edson uh, about the uh, the film I Have a Name, and uh, it, uh, I, you know, I think it'd be really cool to connect uh, the uh, the filmmakers with uh, with your 17 year old uh, Don and uh, and and get that uh, that story into film. Um, remember that. And uh, everybody remember that doing good anywhere does good everywhere. We'll see you next week. Until then, open your eyes, open your heart, be well, and stay well. Thanks again for joining us this week for Brave Hearts Radio. Be sure to tune in for another edition featuring your host, Brian Reinbold. The show can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again next time. 